You're in Joshua chapter 14. As I said, we're going to be continuing in our series uh, called Nexus Now, which is a study of the book of Joshua. It looks like that I'll, I'm going to continue on through the rest of the month. The next two weeks uh, we'll be in Joshua, and then we'll wrap it up at the end of this uh, this month. Then Pastor Eric True from Kaiafa will be with us on uh, the first Sunday in October, and then we'll kick off a new series uh, the second week. So last week, Pastor Todd, which, by the way, he's preaching at Pastor Stephen Bowen's church, Foundation Church. He's one of the overseers over there, so he's actually preaching at Foundation's church this morning. Last week, Pastor Todd talked about possessing your inheritance. He showed us from Joshua chapter 13 that we must, number one, allow our vision of possibilities to be expanded, Number two, allow God's word to, pro, to remove limiting mindsets. Number three, be intentional and aggressive in possessing your spiritual inheritance. So today we're going to continue in Joshua chapter 14. Now let me just set it up in kind of a quick recap uh, of, of really this whole series. And again, if you missed any of our, any weeks, you can go, go online, our, our app, our church app, our uh, Facebook, um, uh, website, Vimeo, YouTube, all that stuff. So Joshua had successfully completed the first half of his divine purpose. He had conquered the enemy and was in control of the land and the cities. Now there was a second part of his purpose. He had the second part of this divine commission uh, was to divide the land so that each tribe could claim their inheritance and enjoy what God had given them. Now this is, this is powerful. The word inheritance is found, listen to this, over 50 times between the chapters of Joshua 13 and 21. Over 50 times God talk, God talks to them about their inheritance, the land they were inheriting from chapters 13 to 21. See, we have to understand that the, the God's people, the Jewish people inherited the land. They didn't win this land because of the spoils of battle and they didn't purchase the land as a business transaction. See, their ownership of the land was purely the gracious act of God, but their possession and enjoyment of the land depended on their submission and obedience to the Lord. So it's very similar with us too, right? Or again, this is likening this to our spiritual inheritance, which Ephesians tells us we've already inherited our spiritual inheritance. Amen? That's why Pastor Todd was talking about how to possess it, how to lay hold of it if you haven't already. So since going back to to, to Joshua and Caleb, Today we're going to look at Caleb. Since Caleb belonged to the tribe of Judah and had been one of the two faithful spies, he received his inheritance first. And that's where we're going to read. If you're in Joshua 14, we're going to begin reading in verse 6. A delegation from the tribe of Judah led by Caleb, son of Genoa, the, the Kenizzite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kanesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. This is their inheritance he was talking about. He was recapping when they first scouted out the land whenever Moses was still their leader. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day, Moses solemnly promised me, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land, that of your descendants forever, because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord, my God. You're starting to see a pattern here. Now you can see the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Today I am 85 years old. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. 
So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land, just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron to, to him as his portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, today, just as we read about Caleb and Joshua and the Israelites' inheritance. Lord, there's a spiritual inheritance we have in Christ. And I pray that today you help us to not only see it, that you would reveal it to us, but you would give us the grace to lay hold of it, possess it, and also show us what to do and how to handle our spiritual inheritance that you have laid up for us, Lord God, that's already here on earth, but also in heaven. We thank you, Lord. Help me as I preach your word. I cannot do this on my own, nor do I want to. Holy Spirit, I need your help. We bind up all distractions and help us, Lord God, again, to not only receive it, but to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See, Caleb is a great example, just as Joshua and many of his leaders were, of unwavering faith. He appears first to us in Numbers 13 as one of the 12 spies Moses sent out as a scout of the land. That's, that's what he was recapping when he said, Moses sent me out. That was in Numbers 13. And again, you remember, Moses had sent out 12 spies, just real quick. A lot of you know this, but some may not. And they went into the land. This is when they were still in the wilderness. They were coming up to the land. They, 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 they were about to uh, take the land early on in, in, the, in the wilderness, right after they came out of Egypt. And 10 of the spies came back and said, oh, man, it's a great land, but they got giants in the land, man. And, and, and we felt like grasshoppers, and they saw us as grasshoppers. But only Caleb and Joshua came back and gave a positive report and said, no, the Lord has given us this land. This is our inheritance. We need to go in right now and take it. But because of those 10 people, they frightened the rest of the whole million of people, the nation of Israel. And because of that, they had to wander in this, the wilderness for 40 years. You could about imagine the frustration of Caleb and Joshua that they knew they could have taken the land right there, but because of 10 other, what we would say is knuckleheads, it caused them to wander in the wilderness. Um, that, there's, there's no word for knucklehead in the Greek, by the way, either. That's, that's my own vernacular if you didn't figure that out, right? So, you know, but listen, Caleb's faith did not diminish after 45 years now, you got to think, 40 years in the wilderness and now this five years since. And Joshua scouted out the land. His testimony reveals his character and rock-solid faith in the Lord. You know, because I never saw that before. Think about how discouraged Joshua and Caleb would have been to know, like, man, because of y'all, we got to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And took a whole nother, it's now 45 years total. Now he's at the threshold. But through that all, Joshua and Caleb never wavered. And the consequence of that was Joshua and Caleb, by the way, was the only ones that entered into the promised land. The rest of the nation of Israel, all of them all perished before, perished before they came to the promised land. So after all those years, Caleb received his personal inheritance in the land of Canaan. So from these passages of scripture today that we just read, I want to show you three ways to handle your spiritual inheritance. Last week, again, Pastor Todd talked about possessing it. You must be aggressive. You must take off limiting mindsets. Now let's talk about that we know we have it. How do we handle our spiritual inheritance? Number one, you must remember the reason that you're here. You must remember the reason why we're even here on this planet to begin with. Amen. We all got to work. We all got to pay bills. But I promise you, that's not the only reason we're here. 
Joshua 14, 6. Caleb said to Joshua, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. See, Caleb reminded his friend Joshua of the promise Moses had made to them 45 years before, and they would survive the years of wandering in the wilderness to receive their inheritance in the land. They were remembering and really encouraging. He was encouraging one another. They remembered the promise of their purpose. See, what kept them going all of those 40 years? They knew they had a purpose in it all. They said, even though we're being, in a sense, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, if you read the Bible, sometimes, you know, I go into it with different dialogue because we read the main points, but a lot happened in those 45 years, right? And they must have been thinking, I wondered if they thought, if they prayed, even though we're feeling the effects of their disobedience, lack of faith and fear, there's still a purpose in all this. It's, they remembered there was a purpose for them and they still had their eyes on the prize. They still had their eyes in the promised land. See, you and I's inheritance is part of your purpose. When we talk about our spiritual inheritance, yes, ultimately that's heaven, and we'll talk about that towards the end. But the things we inherit, the, the anointing of God, the blessings of God, the provisions of God, the purpose of God, the calling of God on our life, that's all part of our inheritance, right? We can't buy our purpose. We didn't win our purpose. No, we inherited it. The purpose and plan for God, uh, for us, from God in our lives is, is, is a, a purpose, an inheritance that we are to live out each and every day. You see, and that's why it's so important. Like today, if you don't know, we want to help you find your purpose. Today, Next Steps Class 2, our vision here at Family Life, if you're our guest, if you're tuning in online for the first time, is to know God, live free, find your purpose, and make a difference. If you don't know what your purpose is, jump into Next Steps right after this service. We have next steps after both services, and we'll help you find your purpose. We'll help you to take a spiritual gifts test and a personality test. And you may you may have been saved for years, and you still say, Brandon, I don't know what my purpose is. I, these in, this spiritual inheritance you're talking about, I'm not sure what all that means. Well, we'll help you. We want to. We don't want to just tell you to do it. We want to help you to do it. Amen. So if you've never been through next steps, or if you're still sitting out there and said, Man, you know what? I want to know my purpose. What's my calling? Why was I created? I've shared this before, church, and I wouldn't even plan on sharing it. You know, but before I got saved, one of the, the I think just as big as reason for me getting saved, knowing I wasn't right with God, and if I died, I'd spend eternity separated from him, is I wanted to know my purpose. Like I knew there was more. Y'all have heard me talk about this. I had a good job. I had a nice little truck, my own apartment. I had money in my pocket, but I knew there was more. Like inside, I was dying because I felt like, man, there has to be more to life than this. Have you ever thought that? There has to be more than just going to work every day and paying a mortgage and paying bills. And we have to do that, right? That's part of living, but that's not your purpose. Your purpose is something great that God ordained for you before the beginning of time. See, God's promise gave Caleb and Joshua joy and courage as they endured years of wondering and waiting for their purpose to be fulfilled. Some of you idea, you may know your purpose, but you're like, man, Brandon, it just, the door hasn't opened up yet. I, I know what God's calling me to do. Listen, it took them 45 years to walk into it. Now, that was part of their purpose along the step, but their inheritance, would, it took 45 years. So listen, even though you know what your purpose is and you know what God wants you to do and called you to do, listen, be patient along the way. Amen. There may be some wondering, but I noticed 
for me that even when I was waiting, I know this is my divine purpose and not just to preach, but to pastor this church. I knew this is what God has created and called me to be. I knew that early on when I was a young youth pastor. And listen, and I was painting and I remember getting tired and frustrated with, with construction and, and whatnot. And, and I remember coming home one day and it's like, man, I'm ready to go into ministry. I'm just, I'm just tired of this, you know, construction stuff and all and whatever. And, you know, it took over two years before the first door opened up for me to come into ministry over here. But I look back and see, you know what? God was teaching me leadership. He was teaching me. I was a foreman for one of the biggest paint contracting companies. Actually, Chris owns the business now that, you, you, that I used to work for. And I had to learn to be, you know, one in submission to authority because I had the owner and my boss. But then I was also running jobs. So I had people underneath me that I was, I was telling what to do. And so guess what? You know, you got to be under authority before you can be in authority, right? I was also being taught leadership because I was a young guy and I was leading other people that were older than me that had been painting longer than me. So I look back on that as like, you know what? God kept me in construction for a few years to get me ready to fulfill the purpose that I was in. Amen? And I'm still growing and I'm still learning. But listen, I just want to encourage you. And it makes me think, you know, some people, and I'm talking about even born-again believers now, that when people get discouraged and they feel like they get bogged down in life, they say, man, you know what? I'm just bored. You know, I'm bored or, or I'm just, I'm not really enjoying life anymore. I truly believe the reason for both of those is because people are not living in and fulfilling their purpose. If you're walking in, living in, or pursuing your purpose, I promise you there's never a dull moment. I promise you. When you know what you're doing, what the Lord's called you to do, you'll enjoy life to the fullest. And I'm telling you, you're going to be looking for some downtime. Let me put it to you that way. Amen? So I just want to encourage you, if you have this kind of faith in the Lord's promises, we'll be encouraged and we will continue to enjoy life in the journey called life. Amen? That doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's always going to be fun and glitz and glamour, I promise you. But it'll never be boring, right? I believe that, you know, the reason, uh, again, I just, I just mentioned, I got ahead of my notes there. So again, we want to help you find your purpose today in next steps. Peter tells us that our priceless, our inheritance is a priceless inheritance. Look at 1 Peter 1, 3, and 5. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with a great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance. You see that? Now we're talking about a spiritual inheritance. That's, this is New Testament church. This is where we live in. We're using Joshua and Caleb as the picture, but now we're talking Peter here, New Testament church. He's talking about our spiritual inheritance. It's an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So what am I saying today, church? Since we have a priceless inheritance before us, we should be pushing forward with expectancy. We shouldn't be living in boredom. We should be pushing forward in expectancy, either fulfilling, walking in, or at least pursuing that purpose to know the purpose of God for your life, the calling of God, and what you should be doing. Listen, church, the best is yet to come. I believe that. Which leads me to my next point. Number two, live in expectation instead of ease. Live in expectation instead of ease. Look at Joshua 14, 10 through 12. Now you can see the Lord has kept me alive. Well, 
alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made the promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. You see that? Even while we wondered, he was saying God's still keeping his promise. Today I'm 85 years old. I'm as strong as I was when Moses sent me on this journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I can then. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living in, in, in great walled towns. These were the giants, by the way. If, you, if I didn't say that earlier, Anak, the descendants of Anak was, were the giants that were living in the land. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. See, Caleb was 85 years old, but he wasn't looking for an easy task that was suited for an old man. Caleb didn't say, man, you know what? Give me that, 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 that little valley over there overlooking that fishing pond and I'm going to retire, Joshua. That's not what he said. He said, give me the hill country. He said, give me, you remember they had those giants? I want to go after those giants. I'm 85 years old. I'm as strong as I was and I can still fight. Joshua, Caleb asked Joshua for mountains to climb and giants to conquer. He wasn't looking for a life of ease. He asked them for the hill country, mountains to climb and giants to conquer. You know, honestly, church, and my wife and I was talking about this, too many people in our society, and yes, I'm going to say it, even in the church, are settling for a life of ease. We're settling for the easy way out. Listen, if anything, if Caleb shows us anything today, 85 years old, and I'm not saying at 85 you can't, you know, be retired from your job. And all I see Brother Francis looking at me. He's in his 80s like, brother, you know. But I know what? You know what? He's still teaching a Bible study every week for how many years now, Brother Francis? Yeah, come on. Many, many years. Miss Betty Jo, they're in their 80s and they still, first of all, they still young as whippersnappers. They still look great. They're healthy. But look, they're not just with their feet kicked up. They're still doing ministry. Amen. Miss Betty Jo had a life group before COVID that meeting with ladies once a month. He's still through, teaching through the Bible every week, right? Every week. So listen, they still taking mountains. Amen. They still taking giants. They still going after. They may be retired from a job at eight to five, but they never retired from the Lord and what God's called them to do. Amen. See, Caleb's strength was in the Lord and he knew that God would never fail him. See, the secret of Caleb's life is found in a phrase that's repeated six times in scripture because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. See, when you're wholeheartedly following the Lord, you're not going to take the easy way out. And you know how I know that? Because I tried multiple times. If I'm just honest with you, way before I ever became the pastor here, when I was a young youth pastor, I tried to wiggle my way out of ministry because it was hard. And I remember telling the Lord, Lord, it would be way easier just to go back and I can just go paint. I can be a good painter. I could, I could, you know, make money. I could support my family and I can still, I can serve in church. I can lead life groups and pray and I can do all that. But you know, it was hard. And I remember I read something one day and it was about an easy seat and just, it, I, I can't quote the whole thing, but basically saying that, you know what? In this instance, being a pastor is not an easy seat, but for those that are called, no other seats are going to ever be comfortable. And I remember I read that and it just, that day something just struck in me like, you know what? This is probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but this is what God's called me to do. This is my purpose. And he's right. Every time I would think about going back, one, I knew I'd be disobedient. I want to wholeheartedly follow the Lord. So, you know what? When we wholeheartedly, like Caleb did six times, it says that, that he wholeheartedly, and he even said it about himself. He said, look, I, for, for my part, for the most part, I wholeheartedly follow the Lord. 
You see, like Caleb, we can climb mountains and conquer giants if we wholeheartedly follow the Lord. Amen? There ain't no mountain high enough and no, no giant too big. No matter how old or, let me just say, seasoned you get. I don't want to step on the landmines as we start talking about age in here. You know, right? No matter how seasoned you get out there, you can still conquer mountains and climb. Climb mountains and conquer giants. Amen. We should never retire from trusting and serving the Lord or expecting him to do great things through us. Amen. We should continue to trust him, be obedient, but, but expect that he's going to do great things through us. You know, here's another example as well. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, y'all have heard me mention that me and Pastor Ty has been going through uh, Pastor's University at Bethany Church uh, with Pastor Larry Stocksdale, and he told us last week, we were there this week, Tuesday through Thursday, and he told us this week that he's almost 67 years old, and he said that he has a vision to create a website that reaches men. He's 67. He said his goal is that that website would reach a million men to give their lives to Christ. He, want a, he wants a million men to get saved through this website. He said, and I don't know how it's all going to work, how it's going to, he said, but I'm going to do it. And again, he handed the church over to his son nine years ago, but he never retired. He's still in ministry. He's training pastors. He, he even handed over Surge, which is the mission organization that we support and we team up with uh, on a regular basis, you know, but he's still, there's still mountains and, and, and for him to climb and giants to take. So no matter how old you are, you can be even younger, or a little bit more seasoned in here. But listen, if you wholeheartedly serve in the Lord, the way you handle your inheritance is not settling for a life of ease. Amen? Live a life of expectancy. Expectancy. What is the Lord going to do? That's the whole thing about all this craziness that's going on around her. What is the Lord going to do during this time? Things are getting crazier and crazier, but I'm expecting God to do greater and greater things. Amen? We can stay home and just hunker down and say, man, the world's getting crazy. Lock your doors. Let's not go out there. Or we can say, you know what, let's gather on a public uh, place and let's go pray together and call heaven down to earth. Amen? And that's just one way that we can do it And because I'm expecting God to do big things. Amen? Amen. So number one, remember why you're here. Remember the, the, your, why you're here. And if you don't know your purpose, find out. Go to Next Steps today. We want to help you. Number two, live in expectation instead of ease. And number three, be an example to the next generation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Be an example to the next generation. Joshua 14, 13, and 14. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephonah, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. Hebron belongs to the descendants of Caleb, the Kenizzite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. You see that? His descendants still owns this land, or at the time it was written, why? Why did, he, why did the descendants own Did they buy into it? What does it say? Put it back up, Doug. Because of what Caleb did. It says because he, Caleb, followed the Lord all his life. See, when we handle our inheritance, our spiritual inheritance correctly, we're an example to the next generation on how to handle theirs. When we do what God's called us to do, when we, when we, when we deal in, with our, our purpose and our, and our, and our, and our, God's provision, the anointing, the blessings on our lives and how we use our life, how we live out our life, how, cause you know, this comes down to being a good steward too. How are you stewarding your time? How are you stewarding your health? How are you stewarding your finances? How are you stewarding your purpose? When we set an example and do that for ourselves, Listen, I promise you, somebody's watching you. 
And listen, this could be for the, you know, as I read this, you know, Joshua, I mean, Caleb was 85 and I think about the older generation. But listen, this goes for those of us that are a little bit younger too. I'm looking at some young men over here. No matter how old you are, they got younger people still looking at you. Amen? They got young people. If you're in college, they got teenagers that may be looking at you and seeing how you're going through your college years and your life. So no matter what stage you are, there's a generation coming behind you. And how we possess and handle our inheritance and steward our life and fulfill our purpose can be such a great example for those coming behind us. We First of all, we, we need to be examples and encourage our own children. Those of us that have children, right? Our own children, our biological children, our grandchildren, and the younger generation to trust and wholeheartedly serve the Lord as well. Look at some more examples from Caleb. I'm not going to read them all, but I'm going to reference them. You can jot these down and go look at them yourself. In Joshua chapter 15, which is the next chapter, we see Caleb providing for the next generation. Now, he actually, he gave them a portion of land. He provided for them. But Caleb's example of faithfulness and faith and trust in the Lord rubbed off on his son-in-law, who later became a judge in the land of Israel in Judges chapter 3. So you see, he's, he, the, his son-in-law was watching him and seeing how he handled his inheritance and what he did all those years, and he became a judge. He became a leader in Israel in Judges chapter 3. Caleb's example also touched his daughter, for she had faith to ask her dad, her father, for a field and then springs of water to irrigate that land, which was very uncommon. you got to understand, in the time of, 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 of like that in, in Israel, for, for one of the daughters to go ask her father for a portion of land. But you know what? She's like, you know what? I'll watch my dad have faith and do both things all his life. I'm going to go ahead and ask him. You know, maybe she was taught like I was. All he can say is no, right? So I'm going to try. But her bold faith, she went ahead and asked him, and he gave her land and springs of water to irrigate. You see, Caleb's example of faithfulness to God and his promises listen to this, was more valuable than his family, to his family, than the property that he claimed for them. So listen, I, and I know that's a blessing. If, if you are a little older, or you are even younger, and you plan on giving physical inheritance to your children, land, or, or estate, or finances, those are all great. But we see here that for Caleb, it was more valuable, his example, how he handled his spiritual inheritance his purpose, and how he wholeheartedly served the Lord. That example can't compare to any amount of money or any amount of acreage. Amen? And again, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong. If you have that to bless your children, that would be great. But that example of how we handle, uh, you know, because ultimately it produces generational blessings. You know, we've talked about, some of you may have heard the term generational curses. Guess what? There's also generational blessings. And, and just like generational curses, they, they happen in the spirit. You can't always see them in the natural. Generational blessings, I believe, are the same way. Because, again, I can hand over some land or some, some money to my children, but the things I do in the spiritual realm can get transferred over that you can't see with your natural eyes. And it's the same with you as well. How we handle our inheritance, we can be an example to the younger generation behind us. Look at Timothy 2, 4, and 7, and we can also take it a step further. Titus, I'm sorry, Titus 2, 4 and 7. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good and be submissive to their husbands. 
Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by the good works you do of every kind. So here we go. Old Testament story and principle. And here we go. The Apostle Paul giving us a New Testament application. The Apostle Paul encouraged the young women to be examples, or the older women to be examples, and actually even teach the younger women. And then he encouraged Titus to be an example to the young men. See, part of our purpose is to do the same. Amen? There's something for us to do, but part of that purpose in your life is to be an example, to teach and train your own children and those coming up behind you. Amen? See, that's one of the things why, you know, again, Pastor Larry having this pastor's university, he knew that even though he's not pastoring a church, he sees that there is a big need and that, so that he calls it 50 lessons from 50 years of ministry. And he's pouring into, to younger pastors all across the nation right now. You know, really all across the world. They, they have it live streamed, they're recording it, and that's going, it's literally going over all across the globe. You know, so I just begin to think about this as we close. You know, my mom was a great example to many women in this church. I just want to stop and honor my mom right now. Amen. She was a phenomenal example to many, many women in this church and beyond. To even to my wife. We talked about it earlier. You know, she was an example as, as, of a mother and, and, and a wife and how much, you know, and, and many of you sitting in these pews could... could could testify to that, right? She was an example of how to serve the Lord, how to live, how to go through tragedy, losing her husband and then, then her firstborn son, you know, and going through, and then, you know, having cancer and, and being, you know, in excruciating pain up until the time she went to be with the Lord. I believe my mom was an example the whole time. And that's what we need. You know, I remember Cassie had a great word. There was one lady that was really grieving and having a hard time. My mom administered to her. And she's like, wow, why does this happen? Like, Miss Gail was one of the most awesome women I know. Why, you know, why would the Lord allow her to suffer like this and then take her? And Cassie's like, you know what? I don't know. She said, but I know this, that there's a, there was a purpose in it. And the same example that Miss Gail set for you, now you should pick up that mantle and continue it on. Amen? Something along those lines, right? Babe? Was it close? <laughs> so, Right? So we, you know what? So my mom's the example. And then I think about, of course, Pastor Todd. Pastor Todd has been such a great example to me and many other men. Again, you men could probably say the same about Pastor Todd, right? About, you know, as, as, you know, he's the one that has fathered me, that has trained me, that has helped me, uh, and is still helping me to this day. I always say one of his main job descriptions now is still to help me. Amen. And, and so, you know, but, it, but the same thing. Now he's pastoring other pastors. Again, he's at Pastor Stevens Church at Foundations. He's one of the overseers. He's an overseer of, I think, four or five churches now. And he's overseeing other pastors, younger pastors. And he's being an example to the next generation. He's, he's, he, he got a hold of his inheritance. He knew his purpose. My mom, of course, Miss Tanya as well. So many, Miss Babs. I see Miss Babs sitting back there. Her and Brother Francis, as I keep going back, right? I mean, Brother Francis and Miss Babs started this church 40 years ago, and they were examples, and she's still an example to this day. Amen. Why don't we come on, give honor to Miss Babs back there? Thank you, Miss Babs. God bless you. You know, Brother Francis, I mean, the time I got to spend with him was priceless. You know, I'm thankful that I had that window of opportunity before he went to be with the Lord. And he was just such an example. I mean, you know, I was telling Marcus yesterday some of the funny things Brother Francis used to say, but just such a man of God and, and such an example. Amen? Because you know what? You remember a couple weeks ago I talked about watching people from a distance? You know, these men, these pastors, my mom, Tanya, they have directly taught us. But you know what? It's amazing. You can learn from somebody from a distance. 
And, you know, people can learn from you. Like I said, because you got to remember, church, whether you know it or want it or not, people are watching you. And ultimately, John Maxwell says this, you're going to influence people. Everybody's going to influence somebody. But how are you going to influence them? Are you going to be example, be an example to them to fulfill their purpose and to serve the Lord wholeheartedly? Are you going to be a negative example? Because you do have influence. Whether you know it or not, you have influence. But how are we going to use that influence? Amen? So how do you handle your inheritance? Number one, remember the reason you're here. Live in expectation instead of ease and be an example to the next generation. But you know, before you can handle your inheritance, you have to first receive your inheritance. And the only way you can receive a spiritual inheritance is by being born again. I read this scripture earlier, but I'm going to read it again. First Peter 1, 3, and 5. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his grace, mer- great mercy that, and I highlighted these in my notes, that we are born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with a great expectation. We have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven. Amen. Now this is talking about our eternal inheritance for you, pure and undefiled and beyond reach. I love this, or change and decay. And it just hit me. You know what? So much is changing in our world day by day. This heavenly inheritance will never change. It, it don't matter what virus hits, what restrictions are put on, what phase we in. Our heavenly inheritance will never change, church. It will never be de- de- defiled or decayed. And through your faith, listen, now that's where the rubber meets the road. We have something to do here. Through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be received on the last day for all to see. So my question to you this morning is, are you ready to receive your heavenly inheritance? There may be some people in here are, that are watching at home. You're not ready to receive your heavenly inheritance. Now, we have an inheritance we've been talking about here on earth, things to do, a purpose, and God's plan, and, 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 and the provisions, and giftings, and talents, and anointing, and blessing, and all of that. But I'm talking specifically now about the inheritance of heaven. Because, again, that's something we're inherited, right? We, don't, we didn't earn it. We didn't buy it. Jesus bought it for us when he died on the cross. He paid for it all. And he's given it over to us. If you're not, you need to put your faith in Christ for salvation and be born again today. Would you bow your head with me and close your eyes? You know, I mentioned, thank God miraculously, Chaplain Alex, he told me before service, this young man, I think multiple people shot him four times or five times last night, and he lived. He miraculously lived. That just goes to show, y'all, a couple weeks ago, it was somebody eating at Don's. They choked on some food and ended up perishing. It don't matter. You may be, well, I'm not in the streets. I wouldn't get, well, you just never know. It, whether it's a shooting, a car accident, or eating at Don's, 20-some-year-old young man choked, went to the bathroom, and never regained consciousness. Ultimately, he perished. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in here today, church, remember, I prayed it this morning. We're not promised tomorrow. I got plans for tomorrow. We might not make it till tomorrow. We got plans for 6 o'clock this evening. We might not make it to 6 o'clock this evening. Church, this may be the only time we have right now. Are you ready? Are you ready to receive your heavenly inheritance? If you say, Brandon, I'm not sure if I am. I don't know. Again, honoring my mom. My mom used to ask me, Brandon, where are you going to go when you die? Heaven or hell? And I used to say, Mom, I don't know. And she'd say, if you don't know, it means you're going to the wrong place. And I agree with that statement 110%. 
with nobody looking around, if you say, Brandon, I don't know. If I choked on some food in a restaurant at lunch today and I couldn't regain consciousness and I crossed over to eternity, where would you spend your eternity? If you don't know, I want to give you a chance right now. If you're at home right now to get right, to, to repent of your sin, as the Bible says, and to be born again. If that's you and say, Brandon, I need to make sure I'm right to receive my heavenly inheritance. I want to spend eternity. I want to be forgiven of my sins. Right now, just lift up your hand. Don't even think about it. Just, just lift your hand and say, that's me. I see your hand over here, ma'am. Anybody else? Even at home, back here, I see your hand. Anyone else? Even at home, if you're at home, lift your hand, even though I can't see it. Anybody else say, Brandon, I need to get right with the Lord. I want to make sure that I'm right. Anybody else? We have hands that have gone up. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hand, sir. Thank you for being bold. See hands still going up. I see your hand in the back, sir. Come on, be bold right now. Another hand just went up. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else? This is the most important part. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hand, sir. Praise God. Come on, let's pray together. The Bible says that we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. It also says we must repent of our sin. It means to turn away. So let's pray together. And as a church, those of us that are born again, we're going to pray with you. Just say, Lord Jesus, I know that you love me. And I know that you died for me. Lord, I know that I've sinned. And I ask that you forgive me of my sin. I turn to you today. And I receive my heavenly inheritance. Thank you, Lord, for saving me for loving me and for helping me. Now give me the grace and the strength that I need to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these that just made that decision. Hey, congratulations. Everybody out there, congratulations. Those of you watching at home, congratulations. If you made that decision for the first time or you did that for the first time in a long time, there's a card in the pew that says, I made a decision. Fill it out. Bring it to the info center. If you're watching online, click on the connect card link. We want to give you a Bible and try to help you on this journey. Amen. Why don't you stand up with me as we close in prayer? Come on, y'all. Let's, let's go after our inheritance. Amen. Come on, just close your eyes with me. Let's pray through this. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody in here today, you may say, man, I, I, gotta, I have to remember why I'm here. I've been getting through the mum, just the kind of the, 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 the humdrum things of life. And you know what? I, I need to remember I have a purpose. Come on, let's pray. I want to pray for you if that's you. Father, I pray for those that maybe, Lord, today they were reminded that they have a purpose. They were reminded that their spiritual inheritance is more than going to work and, and paying bills and having fun on the weekends. Lord, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, we have to do all that. I love to have fun. Nothing wrong with having fun. But, Lord, help us, Lord, to, to fulfill and to remember why we're here, Lord God. We have a plan and a purpose. In Jesus' name, help us, Lord, not to live and settle for a life of ease, but to live in expectation. Come on, that's you. If you settled into ease. Come on, just repent right now and ask the Lord to forgive you and to stir up faith and expectation in you. Lord, I pray that we would be stirred with expectation and help us, Lord, to be an example to the generation that's coming behind us. We thank you. We love you. I pray you bless these as they go today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless y'all. We love y'all. Again, y'all, if you can, meet us at the Northgate Mall parking lot, Planet Fitness Sides, on the side, 6 o'clock tonight for United Community Prayer. Have a great day.